1: Friends, welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. I'm Sequoia Kennedy.
0: And I'm Willow Truman. Hi, Willow. <laughs> hi, Sequoia. How are you? <laughs> I'm fantastic.
1: I always feel like I have to say hi to you as if we haven't been just yeah, hanging if out have, for hours. We already. haven't
0: been hanging out for like an hour beforehand, yeah. warming up for this.
1: Well, I don't know. I didn't ask you how you were doing before.
0: So oh, I was how are good. You? I yeah? was good okay. an hour ago. I'm good now. Yeah. I'm always good. Hell yeah. All
1: right. So if everything goes according to plan, we're recording this... Like, a few days before we release our first episode, which you may have heard, it's about UFOs and stuff. I just thought it'd be interesting to bring that up. There's there's a reason why, like, any comments and suggestions haven't been listened to and shit, because we all recorded this a long this time ago. True, this yeah. is
0: true, this is true. We yeah. are talking to you from the past talking right now. Talking to you from the past. Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, if, uh, if everything worked out, we have a podcast.
0: Hopefully somebody's <laughs> listening to this. Hopefully. If nobody else is, uh hi mom, I hope you're not listening to this. Oh, Please yeah. don't listen to this. Yeah, no, Shut no, it mom. off right now if you are.
1: Oh, it, this is going to be a good one though. This is, this is, we got a good show. Uh, Yes. We are continuing our retelling of the story of Biosphere 2. Yeah, we got a
0: two-parter for you, baby. So if you haven't listened to part one. Go listen to part one. You should go back and do that. Otherwise, this might not make too much sense to you.
1: You're not going to know why we're making fun of these people so much. No. Yeah, when we last left off, the Biosphere had been built... By uh, the Institute of Ecotechnics, or the Synergians, or whatever you want to call John Allen's, the Biospherians.
0: That's the worst one. Yeah,
1: it's Synergian hard to say. Synergian is cool. Synergian sounds like a sci-fi race.
0: Yeah, like it's kind of, yeah, synergy. Yeah, and I like the you know the word sin in there makes it kind of dangerous. Oh, it's, it's kind of like, sexy. Ooh, Ooh, sin. There was
1: nothing about the biosphere was that sexy though.
0: Yeah, no, no, <laughs> they couldn't even do any drugs in there. No. What did they, like, they brewed their own alcohol and stuff out of, like, plants that they yeah, grew in they the brewed, biosphere. Yeah, they brewed, like,
1: banana wine and shit.
0: Yeah, I bet that's one of the first things they tried to figure out. It's <laughs> <is> like, okay, <laughs> These how can nerds?
1: I don't know, man. <laughs> I think that was when, like, they realized that they were locked inside a fucking box with a bunch of people they hated.
0: Uh-huh. That they're like, we gotta be got to start trapped. brewing
1: liquor. Ah, okay. So, yeah, so, we're picking up this story right as we're the biospherians... To We're about to enter Mm
0: -hmm. the biosphere. We're going to struggle with entering a little bit. (laughs) Like, literally, I watched the documentary on Hulu... I can't find a clip of it anywhere, but when they first close the door, there's this struggle <laughs> yeah. between them and, like, the newscasters to close the door, and um, the person on the inside is like, no, 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 back up, back up. I have to slam it. I have to slam <laughs> it. it. It takes a solid 30 seconds of awkwardness for them to, you know, finally close the door, and then it's, you know, yay! I mean...
1: It was. It was built by theater nerds. Yep. They were amateurs.
0: Yeah, I, and the way it began is just kind of like a great way to sum up the whole thing. Yeah. Like, you know, just from the, from the get go, just closing the door <laughs> is a fucking struggle. But it worked. Yeah.
1: And that is kind of a microcosm of the mm-hmm. whole of the whole thing. So. We didn't really talk about who the Biospherians were and, like, what the—we talked about the larger groups, but we didn't really focus in on on who the actual people that stayed inside this box for two years were. To receive the honor of being locked inside a glass box with seven other hippie theater nerds for two years, each candidate had to prove their synergetic valor. Uh Uh-huh. Specifically, they had to make a trip sailing around the world on the RV Heraclitus, the research vessel they built in their backyard in Oakland. They had to like share a cabin with another crew member, and a, a specific thing they had to do was endure a long horseback ride through the Australian outback, like okay. with limited yeah,
0: like long. How many? How long are we talking?
1: Yeah. I mean, days, days, days weeks, yeah. weeks, probably all right. in the I Australian outback. Those poor horses. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Uh, it's all part of that, like, John Allen, like, hyper romanticized, like, mm-hmm. weird cowboy act. Yeah. Doing, you know?
0: It, it is kind of romantic, actually. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The so-called point was that uh, to be to become, you know, truly, like, citizens of the world and fully role-rounded people and to to be the best biospherians possible, they had to become masters of their particular field of expertise and adepts in all the others, like naturalist observation, analytical yeah. chemistry, computer programs, farming, mechanical maintenance, public speaking and writing, and, uh, quote, chef-level cookery.
0: Okay. And, like, these are... N-
1: there was only one, like, really trained scientist on this team. Yeah. Just one.
0: Yeah. Which is... Might be part of why it didn't, you know...
1: Yeah. Well, actually, I, mean, that, I shouldn't say that. Not He... Roy was the only like, he was the only guy who had like papers published and shit. There were a couple, yeah, 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 yeah. being
0: trained in the science. He was
1: already a respected like scientist. Yeah,
0: although I, you know, that was a bit facetious of me to say because it it kind of did pan out because it's still there. Yeah, and it's still being used by scientists today. So I'm gonna make the
1: disclaimer again. I really like most of these people. We're gonna make fun of some of them pretty harsh. What
0: they did is awesome, though. What they
1: did is awesome. Yeah.
0: It's an interesting story. It is. The story is just so ridiculous. It's
1: just goddamn ridiculous. Yeah. So this was fucking John Allen's quote about what they had to go through to become biospherians. You had to know how to ride or learn to ride and drive stakes and string barbed wire across the landscape and repair windmills <laughs> and herd cattle and castrate cattle and get, al- and get along with the aboriginals and drive bulldozers. That was the psychological test.
0: Oh, God. I can't do any of those things. Yeah. And here I was thinking that I would be the perfect candidate No. You know, I can't castrate a cow. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Have you ever tried? I don't want
1: to. Okay, there, there is you failed. You've, yeah, you failed I failed. The test. I'm
0: already out.
1: <laughs> yeah. So in the end, out of 14 candidates, the eight selected for mission one were four men and four women, uh, including two couples. They were Linda Lee, who had coordinated the construction of the wilderness, the like the the dry land they called the wilderness. She became head of the land based biomes inside. There was Gay Ailing. She was head of the ocean and salt marsh biomes. Sally Silverstone, who formerly ran a commune farm in England and worked uh, developing uh, poor villages in India. Would be head of crops and agriculture, and official crew captain.
0: She sounds like a Peanuts character. Yeah,
1: she does. (laughs) Sally (laughs) sounds And uh, Jane Pointer, aka Harlequin, head of domesticated animals, a singer. Aka, yeah, because they all they're still yeah. What are the rest of their
0: nicknames? Uh,
1: I don't know the rest of their their nicknames. Really? Yeah. Tragic. Yeah, just Harlequin. And she was head of domesticated animals, a singer and actress in the theater of all possibilities. Mm -hmm. As far as the men goes, we had Tabor McCallum. That's a hell of a name. Yeah, That's the most American name I've ever heard in my life.
0: That's like, he got two last names.
1: (laughs) You hear people
0: with two first names, he got two last last names. names.
1: He was the resident chemist of Biosphere 2. He uh, had sailed on the Heraclitus for a while. There was Mark Van A.K.A. Laser because uh, okay. he because he liked tech he liked technology All so right. they called him Laser. So,
0: J- Johnny Dolphin is a nickname. That's John, That's John Allen. Allen's yes. nickname. Yeah. So we got Laser. We got yeah
1: Laser harlequin
0: harlequin johnny um, dolphin honey
1: was uh john allen's firefly wife. firefly yep firefly
0: i also i just googled it we have flash and salty okay salty i'm guessing is gay allen the person who worked on the sea biomes because yeah, um i don't know seawater is salty yeah i don't know yeah yeah i don't know. probably oh there's also one named horseshit according to my preliminary research on this Google search. Yeah, horseshit. It's coming up. Okay. So I don't know which one that was, but somebody. Somebody's horseshit.
1: Yeah, so we had Mark Fantio, the laser. He was in charge of maintaining the end quote technosphere, all the machines that kept the joint running. Roy Walford, 67 years old, the eldest member of Biosphere 2. He is a bald artist, adventurer, and doctor who took time away from his post at UCLA Medical School, where he was researching human life extension to be Biosphere 2's doctor. Uh, Walford was obsessed with cheating death and extending human uh, life expectancy past 120 years, like, then. Like, he's my right favorite. Then. Absolutely. He's my favorite Dude. out of all of yeah, them. He's like I, yeah. a mad
0: scientist that has no knowledge of science, but he's like, ah. Oh. He's awesome. Like, he's so cool. I would love to just hang out he with him. He does them.
1: have knowledge of science, though. He's, like, he was the only respected one, like, he was no actually shit. respected by the scientific community. No yeah, dude.
0: shit. Um. What was his nickname? Do you do you think he's horseshit?
1: I don't know, maybe. <laughs> he was, like, he he wasn't part of the, like, ecotechnic stuff beforehand. He, like, came in right before the biosphere was, like, finished being built. Um, yeah, I, I actually had wrote down, he was also far and away the coolest biospherian.
0: Okay. I'm yeah. glad we're in agreement oh,
1: on that. Oh, yeah, dude. I love Roy Wolford. And then there was... The anti-Roy Walford, Mark Nelson, mm-hmm. the devoted psychophant of uh, John Allen, who had lived and breathed ecotechnics for the better part of two decades. He was director of communication. Uh-huh. It's interesting, Like later uh, NASA did a psychological profile on these people after the mission had finished. They found that the biospherians fit the profile of the end quote adventurer which is like the psychological profile that okay. NASA looks for found that they f- they fit that profile better than any team of astronauts that had existed and like mm-hmm. it's just really interesting like it does seem like they were actually like what did the they do like process, their Myers-Briggs
0: or something it's probably
1: something like that yeah. who knows or like, like maybe they just like read their writings and shit and like did like a Myers-Briggs form.
0: let me see if the adventurer is like one of the Myers-Briggs types yeah it's ISFP Okay, that's interesting I'm yeah. INFP that's what I am too. Oh my gosh! Aww. Look at us. <laughs> what are we? We're the the weirdo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, we're the mediator. Okay. Uh, lame. Yeah, I'd or rather. Be the adventurer. We're we're so close to being the adventurer. Damn, what's the if difference? If only we could observance versus intuition. I think.
1: Oh. Yeah, I'll stick with the intuition. Yeah, I think I could be a fine adventurer with my my intuition.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I can be an adventurer and mediate too. Okay, the
1: mediator is like the captain. Uh huh. That's like the the captain of the ship is the. Or like Counselor Troy from Star Trek.
0: I've noticed I always get along with INFPs. I don't believe in personality profiles, by the way. I I think it's all kind of like bullshit. But I do retest myself every now and then. And it's always the same. So there must be some, you know.
1: I don't know what it says about me that I believe in astrology far more than personality profiles. Yeah. But the real astrology, though. With that complicated chart, not that newspaper. you got to have the complicated chart. Like,
0: if you just know your sun sign, don't tell me anything about what you think about (laughs) astrology. You poser.
1: Anyway, speaking of posers. Oh, not really a poser. That's mean. Um, There's there's this dude, Bern Zabel. He was initially slated to be the fourth man on the Biosphere crew. And this is just to illustrate, because we're we're building these people up a little bit right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to break them down a little bit again.
0: We got our whole crew. Because, lest we
1: remember, some of them are pieces of shit. Uh, so, Bern Zabel was supposed to be the crew captain, and he was announced as the crew captain when uh, the lineup was announced at the Biospherics conference in 1990. So, uh, a press release claimed that Zabel had an, end quote, unforeseen medical condition that precluded him from joining the mission. In reality, a few months before D-Day, Zabel and fellow Biospherian Jane Pointer had gone to John Allen and Margaret Augustine with uh, very bad news. Uh-oh. According to according to Jane's calculations, the agricultural area of Biosphere 2 simply wasn't big enough to feed eight people. <laughs> they, would, they would not have enough food on the inside.
0: Sorry, buddy. We don't have enough room for you. Well,
1: no, no, no. It wasn't that. So he was Zabel who came to them with that information. So, so you know, what would, like, the, the fearless leaders of mission control, what do you think they should do when they're told they're not going to have enough food? Maybe, like, let them bring food in or, do you know. You know. Um
0: yeah I don't know just be like hey yeah you can bring a few like bags of rice in or whatever whatever you need to do that's fine
1: or even say like no 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 according to our calculations it's gonna be fine and if it's not like we'll fix it later something like that Mm -hmm. do you know what they did what'd they do um they Fired Jane Pointer and Burn Zabel on the spot. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they couldn't find a replacement for uh, Jane, they rehired her. But uh, Burn Zabel's place in Biosphere 2 was given to the consummate ass Mark Nelson. Oh. Ah. Yeah. Yep. So that's going to be mark, a theme. Mark, huh? That's going to be a theme. So asked how the candidates were chosen, Roy Walford would later say, uh, by what they could contribute and how much they could be controlled. Nice. Yeah. In the days and weeks leading up to their departure, some of the biospherians were beginning to get seriously freaked the fuck out by John Allen and Margaret Augustine. Linda Lee said, and quote, When it was getting towards the time we were going to go inside, several of us said, Let's just stick this out until we go inside, and then we don't have to deal with any of the management from the outside. Let's just get inside, we know how to run this place, and we know what's best for it, and let's just get through this. Yeah. Jane Pointer put it more bluntly, referring to John Allen, Unquote, quote, He was scarily wacko, but we were so committed we couldn't put the brakes on at that point.
0: Scarily Wacko. Yeah. And this is the man who you are kind of relying on to help this thing go smoothly. He's the genius. But I guess... It's almost like that sunken cost fallacy. Yeah, exactly. Like I've already put so much time and energy into this. I can't just back out now. And that's the thing is so many of these people really believed in what they were doing. They saw that there was merit in what they were doing.
1: Considering they had built this thing.
0: Yes. And they put so much work into it. Like, you know, might as well see this thing through, even though there might be members of the crew that, uh, uh, but...
1: September 25th, 1991 was the last day before, in quote, closure. The Biospherians were still dashing around, bringing in decorations for their apartments and posing with four smiles for final photos. Yeah. The cleanup crew was scurrying around to sweep out the trash left over from the construction. (laughs) They were scaling the walls to scrub the agricultural biome windows one last time to maximize the light reaching the crops. Two uh, Lakota Indian elders they had invited built a sweat lodge on the ridge behind the Biosphere and led the Biospherians inside for a ceremony.
0: Oh, yeah. You gotta do all the... Yeah.
1: You know, that night, they lit off fireworks into the sky over the completed Biosphere 2 in a huge celebration. There were 2,000 people there watching this celebration. Psychedelic Godfather Timothy Leary was there. Woody, okay. Woody Harrelson was there.
0: Okay. Yep.
1: And then the next morning, September 26th, it dawned sunny and clear, and thousands more spectators arrived to watch the final rite of passage from the lawn under the curving white walls of the human habitat. And I'm uh, quoting Rebecca Ryder's uh, book *Dreaming the Biosphere* right now. True to the builders' long desire for a synergy of world traditions, in front of the crowd, the biospherians received blessings and prayers from special guests: Lakota Indian elder Dan o- Old Elk in his feathered headdress, mm-hmm. a traditionally dressed—I'm gonna—I'm gonna fuck this uh, pronunciation up. Oh God. Huichol Indian woman from Mexico.
0: Yeah, they, like, brought a little bit of everybody yeah. in. They were like, we need a Mexican dancer. We need a Buddhist monk. We yep. need they a pro-Indian. Yeah, yeah. We need, like, you know, even though none of us have ties to that culture at all, we just need them to come here and yeah. do a little dance. Yeah,
1: do a little dance for yeah, us. Yeah,
0: just be, you know, uh, here's our performative hippiness. Yeah,
1: be part of our production. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, Each of the Bower gave very short speeches before closure. The only one that really matters is Roy Walford. Yeah. Who, uh, grinning ear to ear like a bald grandfather elf, said... There's a hell of a good universe next door. Let's go. Yeah. And goddammit, I love that so much.
0: I do too. I That's a so beautiful much. quote.
1: And so under the swooping of helicopters and the shutters of cameras, the eight Biospherians in matching navy blue jumpsuits walked down the carpeted path into the Biosphere from which, except for one little hiccup, they would not return for two years. John Allen stood at the door in a wide-brimmed hat, grinning, and embraced each of them in turn with a final bear hug. They entered, and the Biosphere was sealed shut.
0: Mm-hmm. After much struggle. Yeah. Like literally struggle closing the door.
1: Yeah, literally struggle closing the door. Like it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't get sealed shut that that easily
0: i mean you would think they would like test that out a few times before doing it yeah like i don't know that's just like the funniest fucking thing to me yeah yeah (laughs) like with all the cameras and press around that like all right they're going in it's it's finally happening (laughs) oh wait oh shit no they didn't close the door (sighs) properly okay try again (laughs) nope nope still oh shit can you back away
1: it's such theater stuff
0: it is it really so <laughs> funny I can't believe it but I can it just like it's the icing on top yeah well, yeah exactly cherry on top of this like shit Sunday. yeah that will I think I, I just love the ideas that they had behind this
1: yeah no absolutely you know So, despite the fact they hadn't gone anywhere, the entire production was filled with the trappings of romanticized exploration. Yeah. They even entered the Biosphere in red and blue jumpsuits designed seemingly to conjure up images of generic science fiction.
0: Such cool jumpsuits. I know, they are. They they, did a good job. I love how, um, yeah, they have, like, the little sleeve that propels out, you know? Yeah, the, like, the armor.
1: Yeah, so you have, like, a a bit of a shoulder pad
0: kind of going on, but not really. Like, I know that you guys have to, like, get pretty much entirely naked whenever you go to the bathroom. So, like,
1: oh, it they, looks cool, but... They never wore those again after going yeah. in. Until they came out. They put them back on to come out, oh, but they good. did not wear those at all inside. It's
0: just part of the theatrics, just part yeah. part of the theatrics.
1: You know, they use All the, about
0: the theatrics.
1: They use the language of NASA, mission control, crew, captains, etc. Uh, on the wall of their conference room hung a banner borrowed from the Explorers Club, a group of professional explorers, whatever the fuck that means.
0: They're the adventurers.
1: Yeah. Just a bunch of rich fucks that sail around the world having fun, probably. Later in the expedition, they would communicate via ham radio with a team stationed at the South Pole in Antarctica, sharing stories and seeing themselves as kindred spirits doing okay. basically the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're in a fucking walled garden in Arizona. Yeah. You're like, I know right. your struggle, uh, Antarctica the, people. <laughs>
0: right? Like, I don't know. Unless, you know, that's where the, the Nazi reptilian base is, is in. Um, Antarctica. Oh,
1: they would have good greenhouses there. Yeah. They absolutely so. would.
0: That's the entrance to their hollow earth. <laughs> over there in Antarctica. I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Not, I, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I would. But I mean, like, also, life inside the biosphere was almost as boring as and repetitive as a long journey into space. Although it was a beautiful garden instead of, like, a spaceship, you know, with no gardens. There's At least you have, difference. like, your
0: friends there, too. They had
1: a beach and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they did have their friends uh, for a little while.
0: Until you're not friends anymore, because you're sick of. If you love someone, don't move in with them, (laughs) unless like you're really sure you can make it through that. But fuck, you know, you move in with a friend that's not your friend anymore.
1: (laughs) No, I'm, I'm still good friends with my roommate.
0: Yeah, that's good. Yeah.
1: So, uh, but this is like what they're their day was like so each each morning they got up early to gather around the long granite dining table eat their porridge and plan out the tasks for the day they would labor at racking digging planting and harvesting on the farm and quote intensive agriculture biome they would tend their vegetables potatoes grains beans even a rice paddy with fish swimming in it stopping only to snack on a rationed handful of roasted peanuts The rest of the day, they took care of everything else. Machines, wilderness plants, animals, data collection, anything that needed attention. And there was always things that needed attention. The individual members were in charge of the crews when they were working in their various fields of expertise. Uh, Sally uh, designated tasks for the farming crews and organized the food stores. Gay supervised dives in the ocean to look after the corals. Uh, Mark splashed around in another corner of the basement under the agricultural biome, tending the, end quote, wastewater gardens.
0: Oh, lucky him. (laughs) Yeah.
1: the poopy water. She got the poopy water.
0: Yeah.
1: Jane took care of the chickens, pigs, and goats in the pens downstairs, underneath the human habitat. Took a, a large effort to raise animals for a little milk, eggs, and meat. No uh, finding plant scraps I... for the animals to
0: eat, feeding them. And doing what they have to do with all the fucking waste, yeah. too. Like, yeah, there's yeah. so much poopy. Yeah. I guess that's, what's his name's job? Who's who's Mr. Poopy? Uh, Mark Nelson. Yeah, good. Mr. Poopy. Good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Roy ran uh, medical experiments on his companions, often asking for samples of their bodily fluids to analyze in his well-equipped lab in the human habitat.
0: Well, good for him.
1: Yeah, Roy, his whole thing was um, life extension through calorie restriction.
0: Mm, I don't know if that's the way to do it. He
1: had some real results. Like, real-ass published shit.
0: Like, the less you Kept. need to survive, the better.
1: Yeah. You, like, his idea is basically that it just it's a lot of stress on your body to eat food Digest that you don't food. need, you know? Yeah. So, he was just like, he really did look like Nosferatu because he was already skinny as mm-hmm. fuck. But his he like had a book called, like, The 120-Year Diet or something because he thought that, like, 120 would be the average age people would live to. But he was also um, the only biospherian. Who remained on speaking terms with all the other seven after the mission was over, and he was a maniac of an artist—a videographer, a painter, and a musician.
0: Yeah, that's how we have most of the video. Yeah, footage.
1: Roy even made some weirdest fuck music videos inside the biosphere.
0: Yes, he did. Here's
1: a here's a clip of Roy Walford and fellow biospherian Jane Pointers music video for their song oh. "Ecological Thing." Yes, which was produced inside the biosphere.
0: I'm so excited. Whoa, whoa, this music video is creepy. Yeah,
1: it's super weird.
0: It looks like, um, like AI generated.
1: It's super weird,
0: dude. Okay. Human sacrifice. Human sacrifice. We want to roll the dice. We want roll the Across the forest floor. We roll the, dice. the deep waters roll. We wanna roll the dice. Where the
1: sand hills flow. Alright, that's enough of that.
0: Roll, 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 the dice.
1: It's so weird, man.
0: It's when his like little bald head pops up in the yeah. like, in the middle of the screen and he's like he's like shaking his face around and like bleh, yeah it's bleh, really disturbing
1: it makes me respect him more no it's really cool yeah like it's
0: creepy but like I love it yeah me too it's the music is like not great without the video I wouldn't tolerate yeah. the music but with the video it's perfect
1: it's. It's knockoff B fifty twos. Yeah. You know, that's but what are you gonna do?
0: Yeah, well, we he know was a all he was a that. doctor,
1: not a musician. Well, he is a musician too, just primarily a doctor. Yeah, so you know, just to reiterate, this motherfucker is collecting your body, bodily fluids and telling you you're gonna live an elven lifespan by not eating. This might have been the wackiest place on earth for a time. For this brief period, this might have been the weirdest location on planet Earth.
0: Yeah. I mean, it took a lot of concentrated weirdness to create it.
1: Yeah. Like over the course of like a lot of time. (laughs) Yes. Decades of concentrated weirdness without a lot of drugs. Although the way Alan and Augustine act, that's that meth shit. Like, that's, like, it's the same shit as, like, when cult leaders start yeah. going crazy. It's always when they start doing meth, and it's always that same type of shit. Mm-hmm. I bet they were fucking blowing some crank in the
0: uh, It's entirely the plausible. Yeah.
1: It, yeah. Yeah. But they, uh, inside the biosphere, they didn't have any crank, and their labor was not glamorous. They passed long hours, not just in the fields, but in the concrete-walled basement. Play a lot of card games. Yeah. That's they, what I would do. Yeah. But they also developed, like, enormous personal emotional sensitivity to the biosphere. Like, mothers caring for a demanding child. Quoting Rebecca Ryder again, Each day, Linda made her rounds through the terrestrial wilderness, giving each biome its health checkup. She waded through the dense rainforest, around the concrete cloud forest mountain, along the tiny snaking stream and pond, checking the soil moisture as she went, and poking through the plants for wilting or brown leaves, which could indicate soil chemistry problems. From there, it was a short but... Diverse walked to the other end of the, of the wilderness, through the savannah's thick grasses, on cliffs hanging high above the ocean, and then down the steps among boulders into the desert pyramid at the biosphere's far south end. Walking through the desert and thorn scrub, Linda peered around for green buds and flowers, signs of plants coming out of dormancy, to help her decide when to rain on them. Each day, she also fed monkey chow and dried fruit to the Galagos, topaz,
0: opal. Monkey chow?
1: Yeah. Mon- the uh, The bush chow. babies. Oh, okay. They had five bush babies. There were a bunch babies. of bush babies in there. The bush
0: babies. Their
1: names were Topaz, Opal, Oxide, and William Kim.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Poor William Kim. It's like, why? Why? Come on. Oh,
1: the, they They became like their pets gay ailing had nurtured the ocean and coral reef since its inception, uh, or since its conception years prior to their actual mission. She would write later on, It was never something that I could leave. So for at least six years, I literally never left the site. If I'd go into town, even for an evening, I'd have to make sure someone was there to respond to the coral reef. Mm -hmm. Because if the waves stopped, if there was a burst in the savanna overhead irrigation and and water flooded the ocean, if pumps went off and started spewing out salt water into the basement of the savanna systems and contaminating the rest of the biosphere, it was a 24-hour, six-to-eight-year journey of learning how to live with a coral reef from the nutrient controls, temperature controls, salinity controls, to the algae management. Like... This woman learned how coral reefs yeah. work. She learned everything love about them. I
0: thinking about like all of the people in the biosphere, almost like the Abrahamic version of God that yeah. people imagine like looking over Earth. Like, yeah, man. They were looking over their like respective biomes and people are always like, oh, like if there is a God, why would he let such terrible things happen? Like, I don't know, because he needed to go cook dinner for a little bit <laughs> and wasn't watching. He somewhere else. Yeah, right? There's something like, cooler going on. That's how these biospherians must have felt like looking over their perspective things they're like oh shit I'm like literally the god of this place so I can't walk away can I
1: there's a really cool discussion in uh, Rebecca Ryder's book Dreaming the Biosphere about like the place of the garden in myth like how many myths we we build out of the idea of gardens and tending Mm -hmm. to things and shit Uh, one of a lot of reasons to read that book it's really really great but yeah, like there, there is this difference between living in nature and tending a garden, you know. And they were yes. definitely like they had these illusions of living in nature, but they were tending the craziest garden that's ever, that's ever. Yeah, been. It was kind of what a very I was? man-made garden. Yeah, yeah. And they, but they did live inside of it and live with it, too. And they noticed their own bodies changing to adapt to the different environment.
0: It's almost like it becomes an extension of themselves, like mm-hmm. it is part of their body, the environment that they live in. Yeah.
1: Gay Ailing wrote that she felt herself undergoing a, "and quote, molecular kind of change after several months inside, as their own organs and cells were adapting to Biosphere 2's unique chemical pathways. She wrote, yeah. I could feel a very different tempo, different quickness, different vibration. Uh, it made sense, she reasoned, because, quote, Biosphere 2 is operating on very different cycles than Earth. Actually adjusting to the matter flowing that fast, which is much faster in Biosphere 2 than it is on Earth, would take an impact on one's body. So, like, it was, you know, sealed off, and it was this t- totally different environment. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a recreation, it was a totally different environment. But there was another reason for the biosphereians to feel a physical change in their bodies. They didn't have a whole heck of a lot to eat. Turns out that when Burns Zabel and Jane Pointer brought the data to John Allen and Margaret Augustine saying they wouldn't be able to grow enough food to sustain eight people, they were right. And when John Allen told them to stop being negative and fucking fired them, he was being a huge asshole because yeah. they didn't have a lot of food.
0: Yeah. That's uh, not good. They
1: were yeah, they were subsisting on like seventeen hundred calories a day for a while. Um
0: Oh, that's um
1: It's fine if you're not. But I
0: guess they they were very active. They're doing
1: manual labor for like 12 hours a day in a fucking greenhouse in an Arizona summer.
0: Because that's kind of like, that's pretty much the amount that you would burn if you didn't do anything all day. Right. So if you're doing a lot during the day, then that's, you got to have more than that. Yeah. A lot more than that.
1: This did mean, of course, that Roy Walford accidentally stumbled into a perfect environment to test his. uh, theories on co-
0: <laughs> calorie like restriction
1: and, and human health, uh, once they had fixed the food problem by, uh, you know, importing a small amount of intensely bland food, which importing. must be like
0: what like oatmeal,
1: I think uh, just like gruel, like parched whatever, gruel. like uh, whatever gruel's what, what made is, out of. Yeah. Whatever. I, I, don't know. I don't
0: know. Can I, you look up just like buy gruel online? Like what would they send you? <laughs> I don't what is know. What is gruel made out of? Which, I
1: mean, they also fixed it by like adjusting their stuff and like, yeah. and they like start focusing on different plants like I
0: would farm a lot of nuts cuz that's like a high source of protein and calories like but without a lot Yeah,
1: I don't know if that really wor- like the things that yeah. really worked well were uh, sweet potatoes and oh, potatoes. and carrots. And so that meant that they were getting a fuck ton of beta carotene in their diet every day.
0: They were turning orange.
1: They turned orange by the end of it. They walked out <laughs> of there they like, yeah, they literally they were fucking orange by the
0: end. Oh shit. <laughs>
1: but they were fucking healthy. I mean they they all looked like goddamn Prince Philip by the time they got out. <laughs> That's not good. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. So
0: they look like they've been dead for a decade. They look like the
1: fuck they look like Roy Walford. They look like a goddamn cryptkeeper.
0: Yeah. But
1: Roy's test showed that all their bodily systems were functioning like markedly better than before they went in. Okay. Like a lot better. There was a point in time where the tests for like chemical contaminants in their bodies shot the fuck up and they're like, What the fuck? These chemicals aren't even in here. Turns out that you store a lot of toxins and nutrients and shit, all the chemicals in your fat. And they uh-huh. just burned off all their fat. And so Roy Walford's looking at their piss, finding all this, like, all these toxins and shit. It was the stuff They're they had accumulated from years, like the years of their life. They had, peeing
0: out the toxins?
1: They, yeah. And then it, like, dropped no precipitously. Kidding. Yeah.
0: I, I always used to wonder, like, so when you lose weight, like, where does it go? <laughs> right? Like, I'm losing it. Where Where is it going? Like, you yeah, breathe it out. Most of it literally
1: out. gets burned. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you breathe, breathe it out. It out. Yeah.
0: I, and I guess you pee some of it out too.
1: Yeah, I think it's it's mostly breathing it out. Yeah, that's how you, you move, breathe it, move, it out yeah. mostly
0: in your like sleep too. It's crazy. Yeah. Right.
1: Um, uh. Speaking of breathing, uh, the differences in composition between the biosphere and planet Earth also manifested in the atmosphere. So, alongside the chronic lack of calories, the biospherians were also experiencing a chronic lack of oxygen. Yep, that's right. Their atmosphere had too much carbon dioxide and not enough oxygen. And uh, every day, the CO2 levels were rising bit by bit. And soon, the oxygen problem was all-consuming. Right. So they're that's, that's totally not bad for you at totally all. Totally not bad. Totally not bad uh, to be doing manual Deprived labor for 12 oxygen. hours a day, eating 1,700 calories a day, and doing it with chronically low levels of oxygen. Mm-hmm. I mean, they said, like, they were fatigued. All the time, like, their, their brains started functioning worse and shit. Linda Lee said later that the potential impact on CO2 levels was a guiding force in making every single one of their decisions. So they thought about the air and everything they did. She, uh, she wrote, If I would dig my sweet potatoes for the week, I would be disturbing the soil, which creates more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. And I could tell that at the end of the day on my graph of the CO2 that I had increased it by my digging. So I would try to organize my harvesting based on when there was the most light, or sometime during the day when it made huh. sense in terms of carbon dioxide. They had to just like do all this crazy shit to get the oxygen levels right in there. They had to like constantly. Do you prune. think they could
0: have used more plants in there?
1: Well, the thing is that they uh, they we were in a particularly dreary uh, El Nino season yeah. in Arizona, so it was cloudy. El Nino. Yeah, that like weather weather pattern thing um, that I'm brings of weird like weather. The, what
0: was it? A hurricane. Isn't there like a hurricane? Well, El Nino, El Nino
1: or La Nina? I forget which. One. Maybe it's El Nino, but it causes more hurricanes. Like, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think so. I'm not a, I'm not a meteorologist. Uh, Don't quote me on any of that. Meaty meteorologist.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whatever.
0: Whatever. Go on.
1: So the cause of the oxygen problem demonstrates the interconnectedness of nature in the wild of biosphere one. That's Earth. Tropical plants thrive in nutrient poor soil. In Biosphere 2, the designers used extremely nutrient-rich soil, the rationale being that they expected Biosphere 2 to be sealed for 100 years, or at least they built it that way. So they had to pack the soil with the carbon to make all the new growth and new plants possible. The problem was that microbes were eating the extra nutrients and shitting out CO2. Yeah. Whoops. They combated this by constant pruning of the plants, always cutting off the new growth to encourage more new growth, because that's where, like, the most carbon gets sequestered. So that was, like, most of their work for a while was just... Pruning all day, pruning everything they could. The prune plant matter was shuffled off to be stored in the these two like geodesic domes that were called the lungs that had okay. something I think it pumped in oxygen or some shit. But uh, as the cuttings dried, they would have released even more CO two into the biosphere had they just been left in the main building. So if like they had to like prune it and then gather it up and then shuffle it off to the lungs.
0: Yeah, and then what? It like decays and becomes Yeah, and soil? the
1: lungs like push it the lungs were there to like push uh, push CO two out. Okay. And things are just dried, and then like
0: yeah, like oh, real it, lungs. It, I it guess. got
1: all dusty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at the at the end of mission one, the cleanup crews would discover hallways lined with huge bales of dried plant matter. They were just stuffing it like wherever they could away from the main the main building. Uh-huh. So much for uh, recycling of everything. And the unique nature of the biosphere also super compressed the water cycle. Managing the flow of water inside biosphere two was. Uh, theoretically simple but practically extremely complicated just like yeah. the air
0: so did they start off with like one amount of water and like that's just the water that they have for the whole time that they're in there and they just cycle it and cycle it and cycle it
1: yeah they they uh with no water coming in or out, Biosphere 2's water could be recycled indefinitely. The okay. same water raining on the crops and rainforest over and over, running through the savanna and rainforest streams, flushing through the biosphere's toilets and being purified by plants in the, end quote, wastewater garden tanks in the basement. Mm-hmm. That was the theory. It didn't quite work out that... It, it didn't quite work out that way. The extra carbon in the...
0: Sorry. Oh, God.
1: The extra carbon in the atmosphere turned the rain acidic, so their air problems fucked with the water and yeah. made acid rain. And Not good. Yeah, so fresh water became a scarce and precious commodity they took to mixing in seawater with the rain to pour on the crops, which, like, rained salt on the ground, yeah. salted the earth and shit. So they had, like, this layer of salt dust on their soil, and which, you mm. know, killed crops and shit. Yeah. Uh, the,
0: Didn't go the way they intended.
1: No. The corals proved nearly as fragile as the humans. who to thunk it? <laughs> corals being, being fragile yeah. in their need for clean water. The marsh water flowing into the miniature sea was thick with organic compounds, tannins, and acids, which tinted the o- ocean yellow. So their ocean was yellow. And that's not... Yeah. The corals that's grew not very pretty. Slowly, homesick for the clear waters of the tropics. The algae scrubber system designed to prevent this problem proved inadequate. Yeah, and like the the, the acid rain ate away at minerals in the rainforest granite soils at, at extreme rates. They had 200 years worth of rock weathering in the two years they spent in biosphere two like the holy shit yeah how? acid rain wow like it's sort of
0: i guess because it's so small that it's kind of like an accelerated version yeah of exactly else, exactly
1: you know? and like rebecca Ryder talks about how it, it can almost be seen as a microcosm for humans impact on planet earth
0: yeah, I was gonna say. I almost—it's making me imagine, you know, if there was a grand creator, which I don't know if I believe in that or not. Like, there was some system to figure out how big can does the Earth have to be to sustain damage, but still, yeah, you know, continue existing. Yeah, like, and everything has just been scaled up large enough to, like, when some damage hits one area, like the whole being can still be maintained.
1: Yeah, well, it's like a what it's happened, like happened to the, the planet? Earth is
0: almost like. Like uh, the human body.
1: Well, you know, like Venus was uh, just like Earth at one point. Mm-hmm. Like uh, people think of Mars as Earth's twin, but Venus is literally Earth's twin. It's like just about the same size. It's also uh, closest to Earth. It's in the same like belt. It's in the Goldilocks zone. Yeah, and right. at one point, Venus was literally covered with fucking water oceans. Uh-huh. Like it was a water world with the average global temperature of like 70 degrees. It was like Hawaii. Venus yeah. was once like Hawaii, like literally, and then I forget how exactly it happened, but the oceans evaporated and mm-hmm. created this carbon uh, carbon dioxide bubble around it, and just superheated it and killed everything except for the possibly clouds of microbes that are probably flying around the atmosphere in Venus now.
0: Yeah. What if our solar system is just, like, a bunch of different versions of Earth that, like, have been around, like, long enough to develop into different
1: atmospheres? Are you saying that our solar system is Biosphere Zero?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know.
1: Yeah, so, like, 200 years of rock weathering took place in two years. The dissolved rocks uh, washed through the soil, recrystallizing and accumulating in thin layers of salts that made parts of the soil impermeable to water. Uh, runoff from the rainforest soils loaded with those dissolved salts, drained down through the soil to sumps and then into pipes and pumps that carried it back into the giant round pool in the south lung. As a result of this inflow, the lung okay, reservoir— Hey, Dr.
0: Seuss. That was good. Thank
1: you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> sumps, pumps. The lumps and pumps, sumps, and pumps and and, sumps and pumps so. and sumps and lumps and bumps and pumps. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, yeah, like, as a result of all this— uh, The biosphere's main reservoir of fresh water, it just became saltier over time. The purest water uh, collected by sucking water vapor out of the atmosphere on the air handling machines was never as much as the biospherians wanted. And though they had hoped to model a harmonious uh, eco-future, instead the biospherians found themselves modeling a more dystopian future, fighting wars over water. They quarreled over where to use the scarce supply of fresh water, which still had to be mixed with some salty water to produce rain.
0: Wars over water, you say? Oh, that's common whoa! That's
1: coming soon. Who would
0: ever guess that water could be commodified? Yeah. And used as a tool in warfare. <laughs> Who would ever guess that? That wouldn't happen.
1: Mr. Nestle did.
0: Yeah, anyway. Shit. Anyway.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm mean, being you know, a little tongue in my cheek there. Wink, wink.
1: Yeah, so now on top of everything, they're oxygen deprived, starving, and they don't have enough water. hmm uh, Jane Pointer said, some of us on the inside in the scientific community we were really saying, Look, let's take a step back. We've got problems. People are really, really hungry. They're so hungry they can't even function properly. It makes no difference whether you produce 85% of your food on the inside or 80% of your food as long as you calculate how much it was. But the science was massively compromised because of this artificial, I think artificial, objective of absolutely nothing. Absolutely no material going in and out during the two years. And uh, Jane's uh, partner, Tabor, agreed. Give us a bit more food, a few more instruments. Let's change the rules midstream because the rules we started off with are inappropriate. He wanted to do more chemical research and not spend his time fighting hunger and shit. Like, mm-hmm. But the image of a self-contained world had become too powerful.
0: Yeah, that's the thing that sucks is like, you know, you go into something like this as an experiment and you kind of know that it's not going to go perfect. So why not be a little bit loose with your rules and just, you know, account for stuff that comes up during the experiment that, oh, okay, we need more of that. Yeah. You know, it's okay to because account for mistakes like that. Yeah. Because now's the right time to do it while you're still experimenting and not actually trying to colonize Mars. Yeah, like, right? this is
1: your first run.
0: Yeah. Like, so...
1: And they already had a huge network of machines running this thing. hmm You know, that's the thing. Like, the irony of that, like, None of them were concerned by the massive power plant that was literally sustaining their self-sustaining world. Rebecca Ryder writes, they paid intense attention to carbon dioxide levels in biosphere 2 where they would feel the effects of their own actions, but the project's ecological effects on biosphere 1 were harder to grasp, farther away. This blind spot seemed further evidence of the environmental consciousness they were already exhibiting. It was physical and emotional connection, not intellectual abstraction, that propelled people to care for their environment. I mean, it's it kind of sounds... Real ugly by the end. Like, out of the 25 vertebrate species introduced into Biosphere 2's wilderness, 19 went extinct. Uh, Yeah. Hummingbirds disappeared. They might have been eaten. Also,
0: Earth has a pretty bad track record of making things go extinct. So, you know, it it happens.
1: Linda thought the bush babies might have eaten the hummingbirds. Yeah. Yeah. The bush babies (gasps) themselves. Adorable.
0: Yeah. How cute. (laughs) It's like a really adorable image. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Fucking... They had two baby uh, Galagos that were born inside, they had two baby bush babies. Uh, baby
0: bush baby. Baby
1: bush babies. And one went exploring Biosphere's machinery and died of electrocution.
0: That's the brave one. That's yeah. the one that would have, like, developed into a human if yeah, they kept exactly. running the experiment long enough.
1: Become the god in the machine really of Biosphere though, like, too. Like,
0: let's make a Biosphere 3 and see how long evolution, like... <laughs> if we can
1: super compress the water cycle, we? can we super compress evolution? I think
0: we could. Think let's we see what the fuck happens.
1: You know, all the bees and butterflies, which were supposed to pollinate the rainforest, uh, they died too.
0: Oh, that's not your not world's good. not cut out yeah. for much long after that. Once your like pollination system. Yeah, there's
1: grows. one species that that did great though. The tiny crazy ant.
0: Oh my god! Yeah,
1: uh, uh, good the, for them. The Paratrechina longicornis. That was a stowaway species. They didn't bring that in, but it thrived.
0: The what? The tiny crazy ant?
1: it's called uh, it's it's called the crazy ant. It's oh. a, but it's a tiny little ant.
0: Oh, okay. I thought yeah. it was called the tiny crazy ant. No, I kind of said would... it
1: though, like to make it sound like it's called the tiny crazy ant. But <laughs>
0: the crazy, it could be.
1: Ant. I mean, like, call it that. of course
0: the crazy ant would survive. It's yeah. like, like they're all Italian too. I don't know why, <laughs> but like they are. Oh,
1: <laughs> fucking biosphere kid! What are you doing? Get the fuck out! Yeah, here. this is my yeah, house now. Yeah, get
0: the. Fu- I'm walking in. Like, they're like we weren't invited here, but we're here to stay. Okay. Good for them.
1: It was sort of like a super compressed invasive species cycle, too. Good for them. Because they outcompeted everything. They're typically found in uh, disturbed tropical and subtropical ecosystems and cities. They loved Biosphere too. They attacked larger insects and swarms. Um, A later entomological study determined that, in essence, the entire Biosphere had become one enormous ant colony. Out of all of the invertebrates in Biosphere 2, the team found, unquote, the only ones that now thrive are species that are one ant mutualists, uh, hom- homopterans tended by ants. So the what the fuck did you just call me? <clears throat> I think that's like species that ants keep around to tend to them because they need them, oh, and okay. two ant resistant, well armored isopods and millipedes. So yeah, big. The big tanky bugs, like centipedes, millipedes,
0: okay,
1: those guys, and like, yeah, yeah. or the three, the ones that could escape ant attack by being very small and subterranean. Okay, cockroaches also ran ran rampant in the kitchen and farm, multiplying so quickly that the biosphereans vacuumed them up and fed them as a snack to the chickens.
0: Nice. Ew! I don't know why I just googled (laughs) ants versus centipede, but like, this fucking gross. gross. It's gonna be gross. Yeah, it's really gross. I don't know why I just did that. Obviously, I don't like it.
1: So this thing's. Beginning to seem less like the Garden of Eden, and it doesn't sound good right now.
0: It's the crazy ant palace.
1: Yeah, it's like it's a fucking crazy ant palace.
0: <laughs> and they're like, this is our home now, you stupid humans. So, There's more of us than you.
1: Yeah. There was uh, another vital system that almost broke down as well. The interpersonal dynamics.
0: Oh, shit. So you can't breathe, you can't eat, and you don't even have a friend to lean on. Well, you
1: had friends. They split cleanly into two factions by the six month mark.
0: Bound to happen at some point.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, that's that's an interesting thing. Like, NASA people said later, I forget which one of them was talking to uh, some NASA scientists, but they're like, yeah, that's a thing that just happens. You guys are textbooks. Like, every isolated group splits into factions. Yeah. 1v1 one one. It's happened literally every single time there's we been a recording. We can't stop doing it. We yeah. love
0: the whole like us versus them dynamic. It's good the versus evil, something. Yeah. We love binaries. Yeah. It's probably because we're in a computer right now and we are made out of binary code.
1: No. That's silly. <laughs> Simulation theory is silly.
0: I know. It's I love silly. It though. I know. It's fun. It's so silly. It's fun. Get I'm you, not real. You're not real.
1: Get you some goddamn gnosticism, like an adult.
0: Um, get you some antipsychotics. <laughs> 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 so.
1: The, uh, the the factions that the Biosphere had split into were based on how they felt about the management, uh-huh. how they felt about John Allen and Margaret Augustine, essentially. One group, which we shall refer to as the Loyalists, they were mm-hmm. Sally, Mark, Gay, and Laser. And even though, like, Gay had had some problems with John Allen and shit, like, yeah. as we talked about a little earlier, so they were the agriculture director slash crew captain, director of communications, marine scientist, and technology wizard. They were John Allen's loyalists, following to the letter the instructions that Allen phoned in for mission control. Roy, Linda, Jane, and Tabor, the doctor, wilderness ecologist, animal caretaker, and chemist, were on the other side, sick of the biosphere's outside management regime and sick of their crewmates' loyalty to it. Roy said, uh, four of us were not on the side of management, and four were devout followers of John Allen, which was interesting language to use. Roy had Roy knew what was going on. Yeah. Jane Tabor and Linda had all worked on Biosphere 2 since its genesis, and they like, were all about like, the theater of all possibilities. They were all about Synergia Ranch and Heraclitus. Roy joined, joined later to become the Doctor, but now those four felt alienated from their like, one-time fearless leader and irreconcilably split from their other four crewmates. Jane said, at six months, we all kind of tried to pretend it wasn't there, and about the year point, it became clear that we couldn't pretend any longer. Social interactions completely deteriorated to the time, to the point that sometimes the two halves of the crew barely spoke to each other, except when absolutely necessary for work. The Loyalist crew, they were loyal to John Allen. He was their inspiration. They truly looked up to him and felt beholden to him.
0: Yeah. I mean, how else do you deal with? Basically, you're living with your co-workers uh-huh. for two years. I don't know. You could really like someone. But if they're your co-workers for a long ass time and also you're relying on each other to help have good living conditions, a lot of tension can build up really quickly if someone's Absolutely. not necessarily like picking up their slack as much as they could be. So, you know, things could get tense quite quickly when you're relying on the same small core group of people for all of your needs. Yeah. Well,
1: what's really interesting, and this is a sort of unique to Biosphere, this sort of unique to Biosphere 2, is that even though they grew to truly hate each other, their work never suffered. Mm-hmm. Every last one of them said that their team dynamics, they were the best team that's ever been. They worked completely in harmony. They worked perfectly the entire time as a team. And, I, like, a lot of them made a point to stress that. Or, like, I hate those fuckers, but, like, we were <laughs> but a great we team. we well
0: together. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, and I understand both sides, too. I mean, I would definitely be on Roy's team. Like, fuck you, Johnny Dolphin. You know? We,
0: yeah. <laughs> you're trying Although, to kill us. I guess it makes everything easier if you sort of, like, deify your leader. Or, I mean, you
1: know, here's what G- uh, Gay Ailing said about it. And she's like, all right, she had her own problems with John Allen. She said, anytime you're in an organization, there's a boss. Whether you like it or not, there's a boss. And in the case of research and development, Johnny was boss. As for the other Biospherians, she said, they can gripe about it, bitch about it, moan about it as much as they want, and maybe they agree with nothing he did, but he was the boss, and he was the boss from day one. Boss baby. He is boss baby, yeah. Boss
0: baby.
1: The others, on the other hand, were becoming frightened by some of the unhinged displays they'd seen from the director at the helm of mission control. Uh, Once when the Biospherians were having a meeting, Roy wanted to tape the conversation. Oh, just to get it on record you know sally objected and so they put it to a vote the vote was seven to one with sally being the only no vote she then called her very good friend margaret augustine who informed all of the biospherians that under no circumstances were they allowed to record any meetings
0: Well, okay yeah
1: like t- 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 sally so believed- why
0: was margaret not there
1: um, Margaret was in mission control.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: yeah. So she
0: was like out, not in the biosphere? No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. She was on the outside. Yeah. But John was in?
1: No, no, no. They were all, they were all on the outside.
0: John and Margaret were not even in no, the No,
1: not at all. It was oh, only the of eight people. of course they weren't. Because yeah. they don't
0: have to live with it. So it doesn't exactly. matter if the rest of them starve. Yep. Like, oh, that's fine. Because yep. we're on the outside. Yep. Okay. Yep. No, they Should. were not
1: inside there. Like... At all. John did his three-day, like, test run in his tiny little, yeah. yeah. Okay. Some of the shit, like, it got weird. Like, uh, Sally thought of the uh, anti-management crew as traitors. She said, and, quote, Some of us were absolutely aghast that certain factions of the crew could just turn around and turn on these people, who, frankly, had got them everywhere that they were at that point, and who'd given them every advantage, every opportunity, every support to do what they wanted to do in life, to be part of a fabulously creative project, being given this privilege that was being given to eight individuals on the entire planet, and then they turn around and literally bite off the hand that fed them.
0: Okay, but also— Everyone there had worked really hard yeah, to exactly. be there, so it, you I think all built it. they have a say in what goes on there, and their opinion matters, because without their labor, it wouldn't have been done. Yeah. So
1: Jane, on the other hand, had this to say about Alan. For 10 years, I had believed him infallible, held him in such high regards that nobody could have lived up to his godlike image. When he showed himself to be chipped... <laughs> he's
0: just an old man. Yeah, dude. He's <laughs> like, just fucking
1: Johnny Dolphin. He's and, just
0: a regular guy. Yeah, I know.
1: When he showed himself to be chipped, cracked, less than perfect... Humanly flawed, my adoration turned to hate. It's so dramatic.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's so dramatic. Like, just don't deify anyone.
1: Linda said, uh, four of us, including Roy and myself, who had most of the scientific basis of the biosphere, were stripped of decision-making. And at one point, I wasn't even allowed to talk to certain scientists in my field. That's the thing. Like, Mission Control ended up making a list of which biospherians were allowed to talk to certain scientific consultants, shit like that.
0: So, like, who decides they're not allowed? Like, what?
1: Usually, Margaret was like, she was the one, like, yeah, nope, they're going to talk shit. Like, what?
0: Yeah. Here's the thing as a person that is a legal adult, Ain't nobody going to tell me what the fuck I'm allowed yeah, I to allowed do to, like, and what off. I'm not allowed to do. Holy like shit. I will talk to who I want. Thank you very much. Um, thanks. Yeah. You know Nobody's going to tell me who I'm allowed to talk to or not. That's. Yeah, dude. I would never agree to those conditions.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, dude, check this out. So in November 1992, the Biospherians were so hungry that they began to eat their emergency stocks of agricultural seeds as food. They agreed to tell no one. But in desperation, Jane Pointer made a phone call to uh, the director of public relations at what is it? Sunspace Ranch is like the larger property uh-huh. I was on. Director of public relations, Chris Helms. Jane told him, "quote We're starving. We have to have <laughs> some help. some
0: fucking food. Yeah, thanks."
1: Feeling upset at we're this, we're eating
0: the chicken seed. So, we're about to eat the chickens.
1: Yeah. So Chris went to Mission Control to confront Marker Augustine, and John Allen, being like, "Yo, you got to send. they starving." Like uh, immediately, they yelled at him, "Who told you?" Helms refused to reveal his informant, but eventually Jane confessed. Margaret called Chris Helms back into her office. She became enraged, screaming and told him that he could no longer make outgoing phone calls without going through mission control first, even though Chris's job was uh, director of public relations.
0: Mission control. I love that. <laughs> when,
1: when he threatened to resign, she backed down. Uh, <laughs> Margaret did fire Jane and tried to have her leave the biosphere with a fake pregnancy as the excuse, but when, when that was determined to be more trouble than it was worth, she was hired back on.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. These, like, fake hierarchical, hierarchical like, <laughs> no. um, power structures are just, like, I don't know. Did no one just, like, think to themselves, like, this is all made up. Like, you know, yeah. machine control isn't even, like, a fucking thing. But I guess if you're cut off from, you know, this is the, the days before cell phones. So you couldn't just, you know, call up whoever and be like, um, hey, they're, like, I'm hungry, yeah. <laughs> and I can't breathe. Like, could you maybe, like, send a pizza over here out to Oracle, Arizona, the Biosphere 2? They'll know where it is. You, you can't miss yeah. it. Like, so I guess you couldn't do that. And also, you have so much invested at the time, and you also presumably have trust in those that are, you know, kind of your bosses or your, your mission control, which is also... The acronym for Mind Control, MC. Mm. Control, <laughs> Mind Control.
1: Hey, man. You gotta do some mind control to fucking A bit. control the mission.
0: I don't know, but it, like... Well, I guess yeah. A lot of it's probably sunk-in cost fallacy because well, yeah. like it's going wrong, but you're already in there, and I don't know. You just you want to all kind of
1: started to think they were going crazy. Yeah, like Jane wrote in her journal. They
0: probably were if you're not eating enough or breathing enough.
1: Yeah, exactly. Your brain's probably twisted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, Jane, so Jane wrote. Uh, were were we all mad, or was it just me? As I looked at my other fellow inmates, I was sure that some of them were also quite ill. A couple of Biospherians showed up for the early morning chores less and less often. They seemed listless and ate meals by themselves. Others seemed rigid with fury. Several had grown exceedingly thin and drawn. It was getting scary. Mm. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Not good. Especially
0: because none of this is necessary. Like, this is a hell of your own design at this point.
1: So at one point, Tony Burgess was touring a group of students around Biosphere 2. He stopped at the human habitat window where the the biospherians could communicate by telephone with visitors to introduce them to his friend, Linda Lee. Uh, Linda, tell these students what it is that they would really need to be trained in in order to work inside the biosphere. She replied, they must learn to work with people they despise in order to get a job done. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Whoa. It's just like, ooh. Uh, she could have just like picked up the phone and started just screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but again, they they were determined to make it succeed. Uh, yeah. Roy Roy said, uh, I don't like some of them, but we were a hell of a team. That yep. was the nature of the of the factions. But to, despite that, we ran the damn thing, and we cooperated totally. Mark, the consummate yes man, was in the opposite faction, but he agreed. Mm-hmm. The more dangerous part of an isolated group is the psychodrama, he said. But in Biosphere 2, and quote, it was such an evident reality that Biosphere 2 is our life support. Nobody sabotaged the lifeboat. There was this tender, loving and care and symbiosis.
0: Yeah, I guess it, it brings people together to work in congruence towards, like, a common goal. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. It's so... You Sounds know, awful. group dynamics, yeah. they're complicated.
1: Sounds awful. So the breakdown, both inside and outside, the biosphere was spurred on largely by the media's changing attitude towards them. At first, they were the media's darlings. Like They were like, they're doing the greatest thing that's ever been done on Earth. Like, mm-hmm. this is the coolest shit. We talked a little bit about that in the first uh, episode. But then, as, as soon as they smelled blood. As soon
0: as there was any conflict, the media yeah. was like, rah, 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 rah. yeah, you know, that's my impression of the media going mad and like frothing at the jowser
1: yeah. Go... No, that's that's what it's like. That's
0: exactly it. I wouldn't involve it at all. If I was trying to get something done, like the way you do it is quietly. Right. You don't let the world in at right. once.
1: Right, right. Yeah, no. So like, they the media latched onto the fact that it wasn't a self sustaining system, even though it, like it was never supposed to be.
0: Yeah, it was just an experiment.
1: Yeah, like you know? John Allen did make a big fucking production out of the science. Like the it's a self sustaining system, and also there's a bunch of machines, but that was always part of it. Like it just it just wasn't part of the initial narrative spun by either the media or by John Allen. Another thing they latched onto was the lack of true scientists and lack of the scientific method. And this is really interesting. The biospherians didn't have any hypotheses they were trying to test, and that's like when you talk about science and the scientific method. That's what. it's like, yeah, That's a big part. That's you have exactly a hypothesis. what an
0: experiment is.
1: And so, like, the interesting question to me about the biosphere is: can something that operates outside of the, of the quite rigid, like actual scientific method, can it be valuable and can it provide valuable real knowledge? I mean, yeah. I would say yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: They provided a lot of information, like, accidentally about, like, how something like this might go. Which
1: was the whole point, to, like, provide accidental information. Like, let's do a thing, Uh see what happens, collect the data. Yeah,
0: let's um, account for human error. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah,
1: I mean, you're not, like, you wouldn't, it's not science. It's something else.
0: Yeah. It's art. And, I mean, like, what even is science but just, like, a human... A scientific method, yeah, that was developed by people by uh, so. Sir Francis
1: Bacon. I think. Yeah, yeah, so
0: it's that's like fallible in and of itself.
1: Don't say that; they'll fucking kill us. <laughs> they get so angry. Who? <laughs> Scientists.
0: Scientists. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They get. They. I can hear them. Yeah. I can, hear, I them can hear
0: Neil deGrasse Tyson's voice in the back of my mind. You know, the good thing about science is it's true, whether <laughs> or not you believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> like. I don't know.
1: Fuck you, Neil. He's
0: <laughs> such a know-it-all. such a fuck. Like, science is good, but I don't know. Science is just trying to figure out things that we don't know, and then hopefully we stumble across some information that seems provable and that we can replicate, and we're like, okay, that must be true, I guess. You know? Yeah. That's all I, it is. And
1: I would say that there's definitely other methods of getting there than Sir Francis Bakes I think a
0: pretty you can discover science by accident Yeah, and I think a lot of science is what we used to think of as magic
1: or maybe we just say that like well science is like the scientific method but maybe science isn't the only way of acquiring knowledge you know what I mean precisely yeah if you're gonna is make is biosphere
0: 2 science I don't
1: think so no but they, it's no, not it's not but it they tried to like pretend it that it was yeah. if you're gonna make a point that we can do this thing that's not science and then like people come at you and say like Hey, that ain't science. You have to fucking own it. You have to own that. It's like, no, this isn't science. This is Mm -hmm. something new. But what's great is that now it's being
0: used for it.
1: Right. You know, by
0: the University of Arizona. Yeah, yeah. So even though it wasn't made by scientists, it's like this whole thing was spawned by artists that believed that this thing might be possible. And now I guess it's being utilized by someone. Yeah. Which is nice. Doing really important. And and it wouldn't exist unless these people dreamed that it was possible.
1: Yeah, exactly. So there there was uh, one particular incident that had the media in fits. Jane Pointer was in the basement using a rice thresher and she accidentally cut off a not insignificant part of her finger. She did not want to leave and have the finger sewed back on. Everyone else inside the biosphere was like, You got to sew on that finger, girl. Yeah. You got to get that finger <laughs> stitched up. It's not worth it. Yeah. Like, get out. Like, they pushed her out of the biosphere to go get medical attention, and the fucking media had a field day with it. She brought back some food back in with her, and the, the, the press used this as proof that the whole thing was a sham. Oh,
0: yeah. She brought in, like, what? Like a, a shirt, like a pair of pants, yeah. and like yeah, some yeah. snacks. Yeah, like, that's big it. deal. Like, yeah. it's not like she smuggled in contraband. And also, even if she had, she could. Bring back anything she wants with her because this isn't, you know, who cares? Yeah. This is their experiment. They can run it however they want. Yeah,
1: exactly. And you know, then they started finding some of the work I was referencing uh, last episode, like the, the dude who did the study of communes, Lawrence Versi, I believe his name is. They found his writings on the Synergia Ranch, and there, then there was allegations that the Institute of Ecotechnics was being run by a crazed cult, and that started to make the printing of the press. And like, we're not helping that, but fuck them. It's funny. <laughs> As we've said before, they weren't a cult. There's just some culty stuff to it.
0: I mean, any group dynamics at their core, if they become strong enough and last long enough, will end up being a little bit culty. Yeah, maybe it's not
1: culty. It's just hierarchical group dynamics just does that.
0: Yeah, that's why the pyramid is such a popular symbol. Yeah. You know?
1: But, like, all this shit, you know, combined to just, like, Put some real pressure on everybody and if there's one thing theater nerds can't stand it's bad reviews mm-hmm. so computer technician gary hudman recalled an aura of fear surrounded john allen and margaret augustine who appeared to be under great stress margaret became stormy tempestuous everyone was frightened to death of having to talk to her the cream-colored steps of mission control began to take on this like aura of importance like it was a sacred place Yeah. Christina Sanchez said that the building steps were like gold. You were honored (laughs) to walk up those steps.
0: Oh, Mission Control. Oh, Mission Control, please.
1: Yeah. uh, Gilbert LaRocque, who is a tour guide, recalled being told, "And quote, if you go up these steps, you'll automatically be fired.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you have to think of like all the people in Biosphere were like trying to call Mission Control and be like, we're hungry, please send us food. And Mission Control is like, um... (sighs) okay I guess
1: Yeah, that's that's on a need to know basis
0: (laughs) fine if you need to we'll send you some fucking grain we guess like oh thanks mission control how kind of you to bestow your grace upon them and allow them to eat properly even though like this is just a prison of your own design and you could totally ensure that they're well fed if you wanted to
1: yeah you could just like make all this shit cool you could just make cool yeah instead
0: you're probably gonna get better results with well-fed you know yeah it's like experiment
1: if you were just not a dick about it it would have all worked better yeah. But they had to be dicks about it. Uh, so there were times when Margaret wanted to walk from her office to her house on the other side of the Biosphere campus, uh, which would require her passing through the research greenhouses and the gift shops. Gilbert, who just did Gilbert LaRoque, would get calls on the radio asking that he clear all tourists out of the area because Margaret did not want to see anyone. Okay. Uh, yeah. Gary Hudman recalled, quote, everyone was frightened to death of having to talk to her.
0: That's so silly. Yeah. Like, I wish I had that type of power. You're right. To be like, you know, call up, I don't know, like the grocery store and be like, hey, I'm planning on coming there in 15 minutes. Make sure it's empty. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go shopping by
1: myself. (laughs) Yeah. You know, if if only. That'd be great. (laughs) You know? Meanwhile, even the relationship between John and Margaret was coming apart. They were fighting more and more and the whole endeavor seemed to be crumbling. Roy Walford said, and quote, generally the commune kind of would keep to themselves and function all right. But when the biosphere was being built and there were all these scientists around and the press was around, was not going to keep by itself anymore, and that put it under a great deal of strain and the system started falling apart. Linda voiced a vision that came to her mind. A couple of us had a feeling of John as the Antichrist who was coming back to destroy what he had created. Oh that's not good. Yeah. And for his part, John Allen wrote later. All my life, since I first left home at 14, my motto had been Create and Run continuous creation was my dream, my attitude until well after the Vajra Hotel had been finished, as if my life had been symbolized by Brahma and Shiva alternating creation and destruction. I never really went for the Vishnu super program, the maintenance force, until later, just before Biosphere 2 started. Well, you didn't do a great job on that one, buddy.
0: Yeah, so, like, what? He just likes to build it build up, break it down, break build it down, it up, break on, it down.
1: Move on, because yeah. it's a self-defense mechanism because he does actually doesn't have any faith in his own abilities. Yeah. yeah. Incredibly, though, the show went on. For all the bullshit thrown their way and for all the Bad craziness. The biospherians loved their creation as a parent loves their child. They cared for this behemoth and saw it through to the end. On September 26th, 1993, the biospherians donned their navy blue jumpsuits again and walked out of the biosphere. They were greeted by a throng of tourists and cameras. Ed Bass, the financier who we have not mentioned yet,
0: my favorite, was
1: there, and he greeted them to say, "Welcome home." It wouldn't was,
0: have been possible. Would
1: not have been possible without Ed Bass. This is Ed Bass is God. And, like Ed Bass he is the god, the god of this of thing. Biosphere, he like too. doesn't show up that much. Like it was rare for him to be there and for him to be the one greeting him. There yeah. you go. So you know this. I'm Ed
0: Bass. Here's my money. I'm,
1: I'm Ed Bass. Here's my money. Take my money, please. Yeah. So did it succeed or fail? Uh, it can't be objectively determined. Art is anything but binary, and the biosphere was, if nothing else, a work of art, of course. John Allen called it a resounding success. Uh, he, he wrote...
0: I guess.
1: He wrote... Uh, this is what he wrote. The results from Mission 1 mean... No, oh, I gotta do the voice. The results from Mission 1 mean that sustained long-term inhabitation of worlds in space is possible. Mission 1 also means that humans can learn to collaborate intelligently with this entity that they are a part of on planet Earth. Biosphere 2 proves that life in its totality is a force tending to actively maintain and extend life. Oy. Yeah. Savannah designer... Uh, sorry. How,
0: how long did Mission 1... One last two years, okay.
1: Two years, and there was a
0: mission too. I didn't know that.
1: There, there was. We'll get to that. I
0: didn't know that there was a mission too. It didn't
1: Fuck. last that long. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll get to that uh, a little later on. Uh, Savannah designer Pete Warshaw, more humbly than John Allen, concluded, "We are simple, a species that can hold no more than five or six variables in the mind at once. Dumping three thousand species into a Titanic terrarium is beyond our management capabilities."
0: Yeah, I'd uh, say.
1: Reviewing the strange tasks of atmospheric man- management that consumed the Biosphere its lives he offered, the lessons learned from Biosphere 2 have been drowned in soap operas. Here's a simple list. Eco-design is crucial. Surprises abound. Be humble when trying to outguess Gaia.
0: Gaia, our god, the yeah. mother Earth.
1: Margaret Augustine uh, wrote in the re-entry issue of the Biosphere 2 newsletter, Not until Biosphere 2 has there been a structure in which to analyze the interaction of human beings with their total environment. And to our pioneers, the first explorers into Biosphere 2, thank you for your selfless commitment and for reminding us that human intelligence and determination can accomplish great things when there is dedication to a cause larger than ourselves. Nice words, Marge, nice words. Of course, the management did try to search the Biospherians' belongings on their way out, Uh and only relented when uh, Tabor McCallum threatened to tell the press, Yay, Yay! They're home.
0: <laughs> Yay. Oh God! They made it out. They made it out somehow. They somehow. did it.
1: So it's kind of funny that Ed Bass was the welcome committee for the biosphereans. He didn't normally do shit like that. Even though he was the financier, he didn't. He wasn't like the guy up on stage, like in the spotlight. That wasn't his shit. But <laughs> the situation outside the biosphere had changed by the time they got out. The crew for the ill-fated Mission 2 was already being trained, and in six months, they were to enter the biosphere again.
0: Okay, so was Mission 2, like, the same people, or was it, like, whoever survived the first one and was willing to go back Totally
1: different people. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah, and things, a bunch of stuff happens in these six months between these two missions. By the time Mission 2 starts, it's an entirely different scene at Sunspace Ranch. So yeah, this, in spite of the weird conditions around Sunspace Ranch, they were going through with Mission 2. However, the project's sustainability and longevity was hanging in the balance. Ed Bass had stayed mostly quiet, characteristically, throughout the whole affair. Back at home in Texas, he was beginning to be concerned about the project's legitimacy in the eyes of the scientific community. Mm. Yeah, so on his own.
0: A little bit late there, Mr. Bass. Yeah, well,
1: because now at this point, he was away from the ranch a lot. Like, he wasn't normally, he was in Australia or just bouncing around. And so he was starting to see, he was seeing the biosphere from the outside, as opposed to the rest of the Synergians that were, you know, on the inside. On the inside. And like Ed was a partner, he wasn't able to really be controlled by John and Margaret, even though he loved them and like looked up to them and shit. He yeah. was a, a full partner, but he in all was this. like
0: the financial backer. So in a way, like he he was more the controller
1: than anyone. Well, see, the thing is that John Allen was actually really good at business bullshit,
0: uh-huh. and
1: he engineered this like insanely complex web of like corporations within corporations and shit that made it so him, Ed, and uh, Margaret were all like. Equal partners in this, even though...
0: Wow, good for Yeah. Track.
1: So back in Fort Worth, Ed brought together a bunch of well-respected scientists from such places as NASA and the Smithsonian Institute. So like, right. the top of the top. He brought them together to form the Biosphere Scientific Advisory Committee, basically to improve both the actual science being done and the scientific reputation of this behemoth my boy had dumped $200 million into. This would, of course... Turn into a power struggle. Yeah. Uh, so they had the scientific advisory committee had to make an assessment of the situation, make improvements and shit in 1992.
0: Too many big cheeses in there. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you
0: you know you can't have too many big cheese.
1: Can't have too many big cheese. You got
0: like a cheddar in there. That's too powerful. That's, that's too. Shy. And like a parmesan. Like uh, it's too much. You have to have like a brie in there. That's more soft. It's just too many big cheese at once. Sorry, I'm thinking about cheese. <laughs> So, <laughs> what cheese is ed bass in this scenario uh, he's like the heart of it all he's like mozzarella he yeah. like fills out the base of it without yeah, yeah. providing too much flavor yeah. you know
1: he's the reason you'd call it cheesy in the first place yeah
0: he's he's the mozzarella base yeah, yeah. Of, of this uh yeah of this cheese thing. fondue of
1: this cheese party fondue so the, the, funding. the The Scientific Advisory Committee was, like, getting this report ready and stuff, and they released it. They acknowledged that Biosphere 2 had much scientific potential, but the committee recommended that it needed a stronger, more specific science plan, quote, which sets research priorities for ongoing and future projects, includes detailed project budgets, states long and short-term goals, and outlines methods, anticipated results, and potential significance. The whole science problem we were talking about earlier. John Allen did not see these suggestions as helpful recommendations. He went fucking ballistic. You know, he was yelling that it was an attempt to control us and that... um, and, uh, quote, Ed's trying to get rid of us. He's going to use this scientific advisory committee to get rid of us so that the establishment can take over this project. The establishment. Uh. This is a rogue billionaire that's just giving his money away. He's yeah. the establishment. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, actually, in fact, he was completely fucking right. Um, so, like.
0: Yeah, basically, if you don't do what we tell you to do, then you're out. But, um know, I guess like if this guy is the backbone of your project and is funding you and he says, hey, I want to see you do this, you know, then you better... Do that
1: at this point. He's literally <laughs> just getting these scientists together. To say, hey, can you look at what we have going on here? Make us some recommendations. Yeah. See how we can improve this going forward. That's it right now. Uh-huh. But they were also going to have to take a look at like John and Margaret chips. Like one staff member wrote a secret memo to the science committee, uh, accusing John and Margaret of quote explosive outbursts of rage, inappropriate argumentation and tirades against staff, professional associates, associates, even occasionally journalists. Erratic and arbitrary decision making. Inability to tolerate a contrary opinion, much less criticism, which were becoming an across-the-board response to the to the external world.
0: Okay, so they're control freaks. Yeah,
1: they're complete fucking yeah. control freaks. And John Allen wanted to defend his terrain. At one Biosphere Two board meeting, he suggested that the members of the scientific advisory committee as they were not employees of the project, not be told any information that could be considered proprietary. And then okay. he went on to suggest that all all the science, all the scientific information about Biosphere 2 would be considered proprietary. Eventually, even the Scientific Advisory Committee fell apart. There was a closed-door interview session with Ecotechnics members, and uh, there, because of this like, closed-door session where they discussing all this shit, there began to be ex- argumentative back-and-forth phone calls between oh the God. Biosphere, Ed's office in Texas, and the advisory yeah. committee. It's so,
0: like everybody really just kind of went a little bit in they just weren't fucking nuts like because the whole point of this is to share information and to gain information from what they glean from this experiment right and to see like oh let's see what happens and what could be gleaned from that that's useful yeah but meanwhile he's just like making it so difficult for everyone and putting up all of these i don't know borders to accessing information that is not necessary at Walling
1: all. himself in shit. Yeah,
0: like, just to like maintain um, some facade of control.
1: Yeah, uh, like Ed at this point still like loved John and Margaret in his way and like he eventually fired the secretary, Ed fired the secretary of the Scientific Advisory Committee and then the rest of the members of the committee all quit. Mm-hmm. One of them said uh, the conservation biologist Tom Lovejoy Said, if we had felt that we could have made recommendations about the science that would be appropriately entertained, we would have stuck it out. But they were just like, there's nothing we can do here. Fuck it. But there was still another question beyond the science and the reputation. What about the money? What about the money?
0: What about the money? How is this thing
1: going to sustain itself economically? Ed had already dumped $200 million into it, but even he knew that he c- couldn't keep it up much longer. The biosphere needed to generate income in some way if it was going to survive.
0: Gift shop.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they already had the gift but, shop. Yeah, it I wasn't, know. you know.
0: Like, how much money could that gift shop have possibly I know. made, too? But
1: this is, in, in like a rare interview, Ed said, I've had the expectation, I think everyone else involved in the strategic level of the project has the expectation, that those sorts of discoveries and the activities that will flow out of it then will, will be there, it is principally a research and development type project, but it's not one that is expected to have to be continually funded and supported and so forth. At a point, once the investment is there, once the apparatus is there, it takes care of itself, is what he said at the beginning. Yeah. And. Uh,
0: That's what you would hope.
1: Yeah. Terrell Lamb, Ed's press uh, representative, said he, be- he believed in them, referring to John Allen and Margaret Augustine. He trusted them and he believed in the project. In general, he always gave them the benefit of the doubt in every single crisis. They had very specific ideas about how great they were, what they were doing, and they just kept telling Ed that they needed more money. So mm. enter Steve Bannon.
0: <laughs> Who else?
1: <laughs> Who else shows up now to make in this chaotic scene where shit's already ridiculous? Who shows up? Steve fucking Bannon. So, to shore up Biosphere 2 and get it in a position where it could at least sustain the better part of its financial upkeep, Ed ordered Mission Control to hire a consulting firm to pick apart the finances. In came two capitalists of mythic proportions. Martin Bowman, whom Ed called Bow Wow, managed Ed's money.
0: Nice. Yeah,
1: he was uh, described uh, as a, unquote, short emotional Texan.
0: Bow Wow. <laughs> Bow Wow. Like... So you remember, like, Lil Bow Wow? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You ever, like, wonder, like, so what happened to Lil Bow Wow? Like, he just grew up into regular <laughs> Bow Wow, I just guess. He
1: grew up into Big Bow Wow.
0: Yeah, bow, just Bow Wow.
1: Just roll, rocking around with Steve Bannon. Yeah. Taking over it's ecology projects. not so projects. little
0: anymore, is he? He's
1: B- big Bow
0: Wow. Big Bow Wow.
1: <laughs> and along wuff, with... <laughs> wuff, <laughs> All right.
0: and
1: Along with Bow Wow came Steve Bannon, a.k.a. that fucking guy. Steve Bannon would later go on to uh, gain notoriety as Donald Trump's mystic white nationalist Bengali. But before all that, Steve Bannon was a money man and an asshole with a deep love of sci-fi and esotericism. Still a fucking asshole, though. However, Steve Bannon is not the bad guy in this story, which is fucking weird. Uh, even though he Depends acts like a huge asshole. If you ask John Allen, yeah, he's John the worst Allen guy you ever say, lived.
0: would say, that guy sucks.
1: I... I, got, I think Steve Bannon just did the job he was paid to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so what they and what they did, Bannon and Bow Wow pressured Mission con- Control to come up with an actual budget and drew plans to monetize the biosphere with plans ranging from building an education center in the biosphere. And its fair. To selling essentially biosphere franchises to governments and academic institutions throughout the world, like they're like maybe you know the Queen of England wants a fucking biosphere, maybe uh, someone in maybe uh, the United Arab Emirates wants a biosphere, right?
0: Don't know why they would, but don't know they
1: why might. they would. Uh, they even started discussions. Uh, Bannon started discussions with Veldon Simpson, the owner of the Luxor Casino in Las Vegas, to build Biosphere Three, a Las Vegas resort casino. I would which, stay in it. Absolutely, and that is like. That's absolutely what I would expect Steve Bannon to do. Oh, yeah.
0: it's like, Let's a Biosphere Hotel. Like, yeah. Hotel and Casino.
1: And like, some of that shit seems ugly, but like, none of this would take away from Biosphere's intended purpose. And Ed Bass was literally throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at the goddamn thing. It couldn't last forever. But even though the management went along with cost-cutting measures, Allen and Augustine saw this as yet another attempt to usurp their power. John Allen uh, insisted to Rebecca Ryder, We were the marvel of any executive, capitalist or communist. At the low cost, we were doing Biosphere 2 for, but it meant that everything had to be closely watched. Steve Bannon felt a little differently. He said, uh, The people at the biosphere just treated huge amounts of money like it was petty cash. A bunch of plans were put up that they wouldn't meet. They continued to fail to meet certain objectives and goals and budgets and cash flows and all of that. Yeah. (laughs) Bannon's firm courted New York venture capitalists to try and find new sources of funding besides Ed Bass. No one wanted it. Absolutely Mm -hmm. no one wanted it. And Ed Bass couldn't fire John and Margaret either because of how I mentioned earlier, They made this Byzantine labyrinth of corporations within corporations and stuff like Ed just couldn't fire them even though he wanted to. Yeah. Meanwhile, mission two is about to begin. I don't know much about the people that were in mission two. I know Bernd Zabel, who was the, the guy who was supposed to be the initial captain, and then he pissed off Margaret and got fired. Mm-hmm. He was actually in on this. Um,
0: okay. He got part two. Yeah. He got the dregs of the first
1: yeah. one. Yeah. Well, they were doing it a bit differently. They actually had hypotheses now. They actually had things that are going to be more scientifically rigorous. Teams went... Uh, so, All right. They,
0: well, what happened? Well, before,
1: <laughs> before it was about to begin, there's teams going in and adjusting everything. They remapped the plants and animals, brought in new insects, new plants. They installed new machines. Uh, new grow uh, grow lamps to make plants grow faster, make crops grow faster. And on March 6th, 1994, the Biosphere 2 sequel was about to begin. A new team of Biosphereans entered the dome and it was once again sealed shut. Ed was fucking terrified. Ed was so scared of this. He knew he needed John and Margaret out because they're still in mission control with the cream-colored steps that people are terrified of. He knew he needed John and Margaret out. But faced with the insanely complex corporate structure of space biosphere ventures that John Allen had wrapped himself in like a suit of armor, Ed had no choice but to get the law involved. And specifically, the law in his hometown of Fort Worth, Texas, where Mm -hmm. he, being a multi-billionaire, may have had a special relationship with the district court in Fort Worth. Yes. Uh, In a sworn affidavit, Ed testified that he believed that his old friends, faced with losing their life's work, could sabotage the biosphere's atmosphere and its research. The court issued a temporary restraining order against key members of the management, including John Allen, Margaret Augustine, Mark Nelson, and Marie Harding. But I'm going to read a big passage from Dreaming the Biosphere now because there's no way I'd be able to put this better. Okay. This is like the day the shit went down. April Fool's Day 1994 was also good Friday. It began as a quiet morning at Biosphere 2. John, Laser, and Gay, who had become head of research, were in Japan seeking funding. Margaret was away visiting family in Canada. It's a slow news day, PR man Chris Helms told a friend on the phone. Then, at approximately 10 in the morning, a fleet of vans and sheriff cars drove up to the gates of Biosphere 2, outpoured a small army of U.S. marshals holding guns, followed by a posse of businessmen in suits, a corporate battalion of investment bankers, accountants, PR people, and secretaries. They had come to take over. Off-duty police officers quickly secured the property, changed the locks on the doors and computer access codes, and established an armed command post. Though, this is actually where Steve Vanden becomes the villain for a little while, because Uh. he just... yeah. Though many of the top, many of the top managers lived in apartments just downhill from the biosphere, they were barred from their offices. The police guards used walkie-talkies to track the movements of longtime ecotechnics members around the site as though they were suspected criminals. Bowen and Bannon convened an all-staff meeting at which Bowen announced, "Bow Wow, his name's Bow yeah, ba- oh. Wow." Yeah, Wow announced. <laughs> <laughs> Bow wow and Bannon convened an all-staff meeting, at which Bowen announced, I am now responsible for overseeing this project. Biosphere 2 was under occupation. The change in management regimes bore more likeness to a coup d'etat than to a corporate takeover. The scene, as described by Chris Bannon, Steve Bannon's younger brother and business associate, made it clear that Biosphere 2 was no longer the subject of a business dispute, but a battlefield. End quote. I personally was tasked to be the first one out. We had to secure the gate out front, get out with the federal marshals, serve the security person at the gate, secure the gate, and then move into the other critical areas that had already been defined in order to ensure the safety and security of the biosphere and its systems." (laughs) Steve Bannon was an ex-Navy officer, right? Now LARPing at war on the grounds of Biosphere 2. The Bannon brothers also used, they used interesting language in their incessant. The assessment. Bannon brothers. Yeah. They used words like die hard loyalists as if this were actually a military occupation in the Middle East instead of a corporate takeover oh, in Arizona. Oh,
0: God. They love it. They, they fucking, They it. fucking
1: love it. Yeah. Yeah. So the employees and residents of Biosphere 2 had varying reactions to the takeover. When Bass's publicity representative, Terrell Lamb, came into Chris Helms' office and told him, we're here to take over. He fell into her arms, sobbing in relief.
0: Um, okay. When,
1: <laughs> theater nerds. Yeah. When Martin Bowman and Steve Bannon's faces first appeared on the Biospherians' video conferencing screen inside Biosphere 2 to tell them the news. Actually, picture this. All of a sudden, on April Fool's Day, <sighs> all of a sudden, Steve Bannon's on your TV screens. Okay. And he's telling I can you... see it. He's telling you... Uh, we own this place now. We're taking okay. over. They thought I can it was see a. It. They thought it was a fucking joke. They all assumed that it was a practical joke or a bizarre training exercise to test their resolve. Like mm-hmm. Biosphere and Charlotte Godfrey said, uh, it was April Fool's Day, and here they are saying we've taken over the biosphere. We've taken it back in the name of Ed Bass. <laughs> the Biosphereans were given the option to leave, but they chose to stay inside. John Allen was in Japan staying with friends but two of the original Biosphere loyalists gay alien and laser heard the news and flew to Arizona so mission two is it's going they're doing shit uh, in the middle of the night alien and laser drove to the Biosphere right they uh-huh. parked their car way out they they snuck past the off-duty police officers patrolling the grounds they made their way to the Biosphere and smashed the windows they smashed the windows of the Biosphere well uh, fuck that yeah.
0: kind of ruins the whole fucking thing well
1: they, they, they opened the airlock to signal to the Biospherians inside that they were free to leave they weren't trapped by Steve Bannon anymore Of course, they didn't. They didn't leave. They weren't being held hostage. Uh, Gay Ailing said of this acta, We didn't know what to do. This was such a devastating thing to see happen to a biosphere that we loved so deeply. I still felt more attached at that time to Biosphere 2 than Earth. I realized this was a historic decision, and that if I sat by and didn't do anything, the history would be changed forever, and that Mm -hmm. the future of closed systems would never be achieved, that long-term human habitation in space would be forever jeopardized. Because,
0: But we're still here, aren't we? Because
1: as former NASA astronaut Joe Allen said, This was similar to a crew being up in a space mission and having mission control." stormed below by cops. My only option was to open those doors. It was a pretty frightening decision to make. Then they ran after us with helicopters, and we were running for our lives. They sent helicopters after us, looking for us, and we were walking back to our car. We were leaving, and we saw them. We heard from our friends that they were storming our, their apartments with guns. This was a project under siege. This was out of some really weird war movie. Of course, it's all fucking insane. Three days later, they are arrested by Arizona police, and I'd bassoon them. Like, they didn't yeah. serve it. like...
0: This is also weird. It's
1: so fucking weird.
0: It's Um, so bizarre.
1: So, that June, three months later, Ed settled out of court with the rest of the management. John Allen relinquished control at last uh, and they signed over the rights to the biosphere and other ecotechnics properties around the world to Ed Bass. No one really knows what the agreement was, it was a sealed thing. Uh, Rebecca Ryder wrote Humanity had once again been kicked out of the Garden of Eden for aspiring to divine knowledge. And with their signatures Uh, at the bottom of that secret agreement, one by one... what did
0: they learn that we don't already know? One
1: by one, the creators finally let go of their new world.
0: It's what I wonder. I don't know. What did they learn that we don't know? I have
1: no fucking idea. But so, afterwards, Bannon and Bowen ordered any traces of the Synergians to be destroyed and removed. Synergy. So this is... I love this fucking story. So it's there was this dude who worked at Biosphere. Steve Bear Pits. His, his nickname was bear. bear. Pits? Steve Pitts, a.k.a. Oh. Bear. Yeah, Steve Okay, Bear, bear. Pits. But it's, it's really like funny bear when you, Space
0: Pits, yeah. not like Bear Pits. Steve Bear Pits. Like, Don't like do terrible. Like now. smelly, but he smells.
1: No, he is a... Like
0: bear Armpits.
1: The way I said it would... Would,
0: would imply that. Yeah. that.
1: He was a staff scientist descended from uh, the Cherokee medicine tradition. and Oh, Steve- well, I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> Boy, do I feel like an asshole. So, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Got him. Yeah. So fucking one day, Steve Bannon pulls him aside. Steve Bannon pulls aside uh, Bear. He's like, hey, Bear, come. Let me holler at you for a second. And they go into like a room by themselves and Steve Bannon uh asks him to uh one day when there was no, nobody around, go in and cleanse the place of evil spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, Steve Bannon hired this dude to do a ceremonial cleansing and he did it without anyone else knowing. Like he wanted he wanted the place cleaned, but he wasn't trying to make a performative thing Weird. about it. You're like
0: Do you think it worked?
1: So this is what uh Bear said. There are people who would not work inside the biosphere maintenance crew because of their fear of what might be there. So I was basically told by Steve Bannon one day that there would be nobody around and for me to do my work. He burned Sage in Linda Lee's uh, old office at her request. And they did the same in the ranch house across from the biosphere, where the theater of all possibilities had played. And then later in in the house where Margaret Augustine had lived, yeah, cleansed that place. Finally, Bear moved on to purify Biosphere Two itself. He moved around the structure with bells and pipes for six hours, interacting with all sorts of spirit energies. Bear was not surprised. He said at the new business manager's request for purification, he said in quote. If the spirits exist, then you don't want to piss them off. You want to enlist their assistance, and you want to give them an opportunity to either stick around or go away. Mm-hmm. And uh, even even Steve Bannon realized what kind of intense energy had moved through the biosphere. I thought that was just really interesting.
0: Um, yeah, I wouldn't doubt it either. Yeah, like
1: Shortly afterwards, the new money and funding that came in didn't see much use for the human habitation element in the biosphere, nor the poetry of a self-regulating system. Mm-hmm. So mission two was cut short, having lasted only seven months. So the biosphere became something different. It evolved.
0: Yeah. It doesn't seem like a place that people need to live in, but it it could be a cool greenhouse.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, In the years that followed, Bannon and Bass managed to convince Columbia University to take control of the biosphere. As nature of the place changed, the old guard of the biosphere and slowly trickled their way out, replaced by scientists who had no emotional connection to the biosphere but wanted to poke at it. Columbia University used the the space as a research tool to investigate climate change and other serious problems, but just like the previous owners, they found the cost to be too much to bear, and so they had to get rid of it. Eventually, though... The University of Arizona would buy it, and it still exists, and it's still being used by the University of Arizona to this day. It Mm -hmm. is not a closed self-regulating system, but it remains an important and completely unique tool in the study of our world and our relationship to life itself. And I would would argue that in this way, it proved itself to be what it had dreamed to be, a self-regulating system showing the symbiotic yet often destructive relationship between humanity and nature.
0: That's true. It
1: was what it was, and it is what it is.
0: It's definitely a tool for learning, that's for certain. Yeah. And it still has a YouTube channel. Still done by the sure University does. of Arizona,
1: and you as, can see what they're up to. As for uh, as for the rest of everyone else, John Allen became Johnny Dolphin once again. Now in his 80s or 90s, he still gives talks at knockoff Burning Man festivals, and he like along with uh, a bunch of other biosphere still lives at Synergia Ranch. He uh, he wrote this stupid poem about the takeover. It's called "The Takeover." A piece of engineering. Bankers think money rules the world. Courts agree. Cops agree. Lawyers agree. Politicians agree. Billionaires take a bow. Sellouts take a cut. Reductionists cut out the total system. Journalists and anchors agree. Artists portray what gets funded. Scientists research what they're granted. Yay, Johnny!
0: Wow, so deep.
1: That's basically just what he's doing. I mean, he's still giving dumbass talks and shit. Um,
0: All right. He's, you know, he's doing the thing that he knows how to do. He's
1: doing the Johnny Dolphin thing. Yep. Uh... Seven of the original eight crew members of the Biosphere are still alive. Roy Walford, the doctor who had been investigating life extension before and during his stint in the Biosphere, had kept on living as an artist, photographer, and documentarian, cheerfully playing the role of the eccentric trickster well into his 70s. In 2004, he was diagnosed with ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease. Roy suspected that it may have been his years spent in the high nitrogen, low oxygen environment of the Biosphere that caused the irreparable damage to his brain. There you go. He attempted to preserve himself cryogenically to be woken up in 50 years when he assumed they would have a treatment. Okay. The freezing process failed and Roy Walford died. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You don't say.
1: And uh, that makes me sad because I really like Roy.
0: If only he could like live forever.
1: Yeah. And so, and that's the story of Biosphere 2, or at least part of it. There's a ton we weren't able to cover. I would recommend the book Dreaming in Biosphere by Rebecca Ryder. It's a great long book. It goes into so much detail and everything. And yeah. That's, What's
0: nice about the biosphere is that like it's still there. Yeah, you know? I mean,
1: I, I really think that like I I call it a and I complete one hundred percent success because it proved itself to in a way be a self-regulating system. The thing survives and it's found other sources of energy and shit. And yeah, it's not the thing it initially was. It evolved. And that's, that's what true. things do. That's what uh, ecosystems do. Mm-hmm. It's just another part of this weird. Strange place.
0: Yeah, this evolving system that we call Earth, that we call the universe, we
1: call Biosphere One. Biosphere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, this um,
0: biosphere that we live on. I
1: don't think I'm ever going to use the term Biosphere One ever again.
0: Uh, I'm going to think about it, though. I'm
1: definitely going to think about it. It's going to stay with me for a while. My mom
0: was telling me about someone who builds boats today, and the first thing I thought about was like, Oh yeah, Biosphere. They, they the built a boat. They, a boat. they built the Heraclitus. <laughs> yeah, they built a boat. I'm like, Oh God oh yeah (laughs) Uh, it's gonna stick with me yeah
1: hell yeah anyway guys thank you guys so much for hanging out with us listening to us ramble
0: uh Um, comment like and subscribe
1: wherever podcasts are sold (laughs) 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 all right take care peace out. out be well